Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. Everyone wants to see what Djokovic is doing at home and, you know, everyone wants a little insight into what's making him the best tennis player in the world. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. We're going to turn our attention now to matters hurling. Of course, the small matter of the All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship semi-final between Galway and Limerick this coming Saturday at Croke Park. Kenny and Clare then on Sunday afternoon. Delighted to welcome to the show this morning the former Limerick hurler Barry Hennessy and the former Galway hurler Tony O'Gregan. Barry and Tony, morning, how are things? Morning, everyone. How are we getting on? Keeping well, that's keeping well. Thanks for joining us. Um, Tony, we might start with yourself. This is a, a small task playing Limerick in an All Ireland semi final. Should be a should be a bit of a cracker. Um, it's been a funny season for Galway. Ten points down to, to Dublin at half time, losing to Kenny by a goal then as well. But uh, it's been patchy, a lot of wides in some of those games. So how do you feel about the season so far? I guess it's it's coming together now in last four. Anything can happen. Yeah, I think those inconsistencies in game have probably really confused, I suppose, players, management and supporters. And uh, I think the last day, in fairness against Tip, there was probably a more consistent performance through the 70, 75 minutes. So I think all supporters will be hoping that we can, you know, bring that intensity and bring that level of application for a full 70 minutes. And then you're really putting Limerick under pressure this weekend. Um, Barry, from your perspective, from the Limerick perspective, I guess in, in recent seasons it's been it's been sheer dominance. This year, Limerick haven't beaten a team in the championship by more than two points. Is it fair to say that the the rest of the chasing pack have have caught up to or are catching up to Limerick at this point? Yeah, Shane. Um, I think that the, the chasing pack, as we call them, I don't think they got the credit they deserve this year. To be honest, um, they've obviously raised their own standards internally across the the, the teams, and I think a lot was spoken about how Limerick has maybe fallen back a little bit instead of how the, the, the chance of back have caught up with them and to be fair if you look at all the games this year like the, the level of intensity that other teams brought um, like it's the first time in a long time I've seen Limerick players being chased you know with manic aggression and being hit every chance that uh, a team got to hit them you know and stopped the build up play so um, I think great credit goes to, to those teams you know they, they've obviously raised their standards and it's made a Great championship so far. So. Um, Tony, come back to yourself. Uh, we'll, we'll get Barry's line back up in a second. Just a little bit difficult to hear him there. Um, from Galway perspective, do you expect changes to the team much? Dahi Burke staying at six, or, or will he be moved around? Do you think? No, I think it'd be really important that Galway kind of can stay consistent with their defensive system. Now that you know, I think the team are comfortable with Garage at three and Dahi at six, and. You know, I think the more they can keep those players in those central positions, the more kind of structure and organisation we have as a team. And it just brings that kind of confidence and solidity around around the back line. So, you know, when I see Galway, maybe Dahi's gone to wing back and Garage is out on the sideline, mm. I get kind of worried because I kind of tend to think that we're very open down the middle, as you were seeing in the Leinster final. So the more time the boys spend in those central positions, I think the more solidness we'll see in, in our defensive structure. And I think that'll be vital in terms of Saturday evening if they're to hold this Limerick attack at bay. It's been a question that we've asked practically every person, whether they're a pundit or a player or a manager on the show. But for you, like, what is the key things that Galway can do to actually beat Limerick in this game? Yeah, I think um, if you look at last year's semi-final, I think Galway started extremely well and just probably didn't execute five or six scoring chances in that first quarter that could have put a gap of five or six points on Limerick. And then 
coming down the stretch, I think, uh, you know, Galway brought their subs on off the bench and, you know, I think the thinking at the time was maybe some of these subs hadn't got enough game time during the season and, uh, you know, that match sharpness, like take, for example, Evan Island come on at two or three shots at goal. Like normally Evan is nine out of ten times you'd hit the target and score. But when he come on last year, probably hadn't enough match time last year and wasn't as accurate when he came on. So you can absolutely see throughout the league and the Leinster Championship this year that they, you know, really spread that load in terms of game time and changing up the team and, and bringing on subs early. And uh, I think, you know, if Galwin gets that last quarter within a score, Limerick, uh, they know they have a bench that can impact like they did against Tip the last day. Now, there's a couple of things have changed this week in terms of Jason Flynn getting a hamstring injury. Like Jason has had a huge impact against Dublin and Kikenny when he's come in against Tip again the last day. So that's one out of the equation for Galway that you can spring that last quarter. You know, do we start Tom Monaghan, I suppose, is another question now for management to bring forth that uh, Tom has been exceptional for Galway the last two seasons and probably creating four or five scores from midfield or half forward as well as, you know, hitting his own three or four points per game as well. So that's another dilemma for management. Do they start Tom or do they, you know, wait for his energy to come into it in the second half when maybe Limerick's half back in midfield area might have more space in it. Um, so they're kind of little dilemmas management will have to come up with in terms of who are the two or three impact players that will, you know, add scores and add cr- creation in that middle third and, and that final third for Galway in that last quarter. And, you know, I think that it will be the difference because when you look at Limerick's bench last year, David Reedy, come on, you know, Peter Casey um, this year, will Keen Lynch be starting? So, you know, they probably have a few more cards in terms of fit players at the moment and experienced players to bring into that last quarter that could tip the scales again this season. Barry, Declan Hannan's absence, how significant is that for Limerick? Um, I suppose in the grand scheme of things, Shane, it's it's, it's massive. You know, Declan's hurling IQ and his awareness is massive. Um, and just his ability to read a game and provide that cover that's needed for the the guy beside him or the line behind him, you know. So like he really is that on field leader in general. Um, but look, I suppose throughout the last couple of years, there's always been a significant injury in the camp, and the mantra has always been next man up. So it'll be interesting to see how the squad respond to that at the weekend and see who takes the opportunity with both hands and runs with it. And who is that next man up? Like, do you expect Kyle Hayes to move to to six? Someone like Colin Cochran, I guess, can move to to seven. Michael Dignan, interestingly, this week, and I was speaking to Tommy Welch about this yesterday in the studio, um, Dignan suggesting that maybe Kane Lynch could be a rabbit out of the hat and move to to number six. Who would you expect to be the the person to take up that role? I'd like to think it was uh, Nicky Quaid, Shane, and that uh, John was calling me back in there in the morning to come back into the squad. But, uh, <laughs> because <laughs> we were waiting long enough for it but um, no I think um, personally I'd love to see Barry Nash there because of the skill set he brings you know right. and he's, uh, he's an out and out ball player but I could see Dan Morrissey just slotting in there um, I think someone but I think Paul Murphy described him yesterday as Mr. Dependable you know and he's that guy like he's it's rare that Dan is in the, the limelight for making a mistake you know he does the, the basics the bread and butter well and it's probably an easier switch for, for John and the management team just to push one lead out and bring in maybe the likes of Richie English into the corner rather than moving two or three lads around the place. So. Are there any concerns? Didn't they move Dan Morrissey from three to six against Cork, was it? And it, they kind of well, almost immediately moved him back. It didn't seem to work. Is there any concerns there? I guess, as you say, though, generally speaking, Dan Morrissey is Mr. Dependable. Yeah, like I suppose they've had four weeks as well, Shane, to, you know, to try some training too, so... Uh, I suppose Dan hadn't played at six in a while so like the last four weeks you think would have stood to 
to whoever they're going to try there. Do you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, in those games there and scenarios uh, put at whoever that person is going to be. Um, and I think that look, they'll be prepared for that, and they'll they'll know that the lads in front of them have to provide that cover as well to allow them to provide the cover behind them as well. So I'm sure they've worked on to to you know to stage. Uh, Tony Conor Whelan, I guess, has been the talk of the one of the the, the players that's been the talk of the championship uh, thus far. Uh, two ten in his last two games. Um, is there is there a responsibility now that the, the rest of the going forwards to kind of step up and, and, and almost help him in, in in some regards, not just in terms of scoring, but in in performance generally? Like Brian Concanon held scoreless against Tip, taken off on fifty four minutes. So with a little bit of help, those these Conor Whelan performances could really, really be be emphasised. I guess. Yeah, I think we're going to need probably a seven or eight out of ten performance for most of the forward line uh, this weekend in terms of contribution, work rate wise, but also scoring wise, and you know a bigger spread of scores. I suppose back from the half back line up to midfield would be a great help around that. Um, Connor has definitely brought his game to a new level this season in terms of consistency game to game, and you know he needs to bring a really big one again on Saturday evening. But you know I would be happy with overall in terms of the work rate of the forward line and how they're playing for each other and laying the ball off. And you know sometimes Connor's on the end of those scores, sometimes Tom Mullen, sometimes Brian Concannon, sometimes Evan Nyland. And uh, you'd be hoping a couple of other names pop up in terms of you know those nine out of ten performances this weekend because you're probably going to need that to you know overcome a, a Limerick challenge that's just unbelievable at the moment. Uh, Tony, I know you're working as a as a sports psychologist. We've spoken to you before about that on the show as well. But uh, am I right in saying you you were a sports psychologist within the the Limerick squad back in in 2019? Yeah, that'd be true, Shane. A very enjoyable season. And unfortunately, we were pipped in the semi-final by Kilkenny, so I didn't get a chance to experience an All-Ireland with them. The, but the mentality of, of the Limerick team, and you'll have seen it up close and personal, um, it, it's something else, isn't it? Like They, they just seem, clearly they're physically uh, in their prime and in a very good place, but, but mentally as well, they seem able to deal with, with, with setbacks. And let's be honest, they haven't had a few. But even being that front runner, it's not an easy position to be in constantly. We saw it with the Dublin Six in a row team. They, they show mentality on another scale as well. But, but Limerick have certainly been one of those teams that have, have shown that as well. Yeah, like you just have to have huge admiration. It's grand seeing the lads playing on a Sunday and they're bringing that level of hunger and skill that they have. But to do the things that you have to do day in, day out to be at the top of your game, like everyone is analysing them to the death in terms of how they play. But for players themselves to stay self-motivated in terms of lifestyle, in terms of gym programmes, in terms of mobility, in terms of their skill sessions uh, and, and their whole mindset and approach towards you know every training session, every league campaign, every championship match, they've just shown a ferocious ambition and a ferocious hunger and a ferocious dedication. And... Uh, you know, till the team kind of matches that, you're not going to be in the same ballpark as them. And, you know, no one has matched that the last five or six years, really. And, uh, you know, you'd have to admire them in terms of their dedication to it and, and how much they put into it. Because, uh, you know, to be in that top 5% for as long as they have, it takes unbelievable dedication, unbelievable mindset. And, uh, and in fairness to them, they've shown that consistently. Barry, there's so much made about the about distribution, goalkeeper distribution. Uh, certainly, in Gaelic football this year, especially, uh, and you know, kick out retention being been such a massive part of it. Um, from Limerick, Limerick, Limerick's perspective, and you'll have seen this again up close and personal. But how important is that distribution and winning that um, that battle to to retain the ball? Nicky Quaid is obviously someone who's fairly adept at it, but I'm sure it's something that is widely widely spoken about in training these days. Yeah, I suppose you've got a guy there, Shane, that's going to have the ball in his hand maybe 40, 50 times in a game. 
and the days of just uh, hitting it long, I suppose, mm-hmm. and hoping for the best, they're, they're gone, you know. So um, at the weekend, it's going to be interesting to see how, I suppose, Galway responded. Do they push up? Do they sit back? Allow the first phase uh, ball out and then allow the second phase after that where the runner comes back through the middle for it. Because um, you, you can see where teams have got joy against Limerick this year. They've kind of allowed first phase where the ball goes out to Barry Nash and have shut out the second phase ball and have forced it to go long. And I suppose they put Limerick under pressure that way. So um, you can see the last day of it gets clear in the Munster final that Limerick went long um, a lot. It was probably the first time in a while I've seen where they've, they've hit a long puck out past the other 65 consistently um, without breaking it up to go on short. So it'll just be interesting to see what way that um, the Galway set up and respond to that. Um, but it's going back to your original question. Yeah, look, it's, it's something that's worked on um, religiously. Because as I said, it's it's a massive platform, and it has been a massive platform for Limerick over the years, you know. And in fairness to Nicky, he's nearly the the Stephen Cluxon of the hurling game. Mm-hmm. He's revolutionised the the restart. So, I was asking uh, Tommy Welsh in studio yesterday about the the, the break that Limerick have, ha- have had versus Galway, and whether it's helped them or not. Because um, I guess sometimes you can have too long a break. Sometimes you obviously need the time to to refresh the legs as well. But uh, Tommy referenced the fact that you know Limerick would have been playing these A versus B quote unquote uh, matches in training which when you have the, the squad depth and strength and depth that Limerick have I'd imagine are fairly competitive you'll have, you'll have had some ex- some experience of those games in, in training Barry I, I guess people always look at the break that the team have had but those games are, are fairly vicious I'd say behind the scenes Yeah I suppose you've, you've 37 uh, competitive lads there Shane that are going toe to toe two three weeks even the week before a game and obviously everyone wants to put their hand up and make an impression and and try and give what they can to the to the group um, and if it wasn't uh, more than more than once it happened where the B team actually beat the A team on occasion so you know that just shows you how competitive things were um, but look that, that four week break I think Limerick have navigated very well over the last few years in 2019 there was a lot of lessons in that that maybe we did a little bit too much on that break um, and came in a little bit flat against Kilkenny whereas in the last couple of years they've, they've navigated really well they know the, the routine of it now uh, what has worked in the past you know it's given a chance for a couple of lads to just refresh after probably an nutritional Munster Championship again, you know, where every game in the Munster Championship was nearly an all Ireland final for every team because the scalp everyone wants at the moment is, is the Limerick scalp, you know. So every team they they, they really raised uh, raised their game for, for their Limerick game. Um and it was extremely nutritional and, you know, very taxing on the body. So John will be glad of the break there to give lads uh, give him a week off at the start and then to knuckle down to three weeks of, of decent training. So uh, Tony Aaron Gillan is no doubt one of the players that um, Henry Shefflin would have pinpointed for a little bit of special treatment and looking after uh, on Saturday evening in Croke Park how would you expect Galway to deal with him because he's been such a problem for every team that Limerick have come up against you know, one four inside the last day I think it was Cal Mannion of course playing the sweeper role you maybe have Dahi Burke mentioned I think Tommy mentioned him as yesterday could, someone who could pick up Gillan how do you look after him? Yeah, there's probably two or three modes you have to kind of think on. It's probably, first of all, can you get pressure on the delivery outside and not allow Limerick to get their heads up in terms of the half-back line midfield area? You know, obviously, Cahill played as a kind of sweeper role the last day as well, so I would say he'd be probably leaning towards his position more towards Galan, even though Galan plays central a lot and then probably moves out to different corners, so it can be quite difficult to manage that. 
and obviously then the the man marking role inside who's going to pick him up on that matchup and you know probably looking at Garrod I suppose to start with it and see how it goes from there but you know it'll need to be a kind of a, a team approach in terms of closing down the space in defence and, and making sure those deliveries aren't as pinpoint as usual and uh, you know hopefully from there then you can kind of defend it a bit better because with some of the deliveries he got in the Munster final in you know 30 40 yards of space hopping in front of him you know, he can go left or right, he can take you on, he can win it overhead. Uh, he's a real handful and his movement is just top class. So, you know, Gaul, we're probably going to need uh, those different modes to try and shut it down and shut down that space around him. Before we let you go, lads, we have to get the predictions. Is it hard overhead? Is it head over hard? We'll see now in a second. But uh, last year's semi-final, I'm just looking at the final score last year, Limerick 27 points, Galway 121. So... Uh, Four points in it, or three points in it rather, uh, in last year's semi-final. Tony, how do you see Saturday going? Yeah, I think with the Tipperary match two weeks ago and uh, a lot of Galway has shown really good form, I think that match sharpness just might be enough to you know, bring them forth and uh, put them into a winning position by maybe a score or two going down the stretch. So, you know, we'll be quite hopeful and optimistic that it could be the time that they turn over Limerick in the semi-final. Very good. And Barry, how do you see it, how do you see it playing out? Uh, I think the beauty of the group being together for so long, Shane, is they've been in this situation before where they know how to, to win big games. And I do think it'll be a lot closer than it was last year. Um, I do think it'll probably be a one-score game as well. And I'm saying Limerick. I'm so excited for it because I think last night the show, James O'Connor and the lads were echoing those sentiments, saying that they'd be expecting a score, a score in it at the end. Just before, uh, in, in a word, lads, Kilkenny Clare, uh, Tony, who are you going for on that one? Yeah, I'd be surprised at the level of favouritism seems to be around Clare. Like, Kilkenny are just unbelievable at semi-final stage and have a great record. Like, So I think Clare will have to be a lot sharper than they were against Dublin and will have to come with you know, that energy and work rate that they had in the Munster campaign. If they don't, like, Kilkenny will blow you away. So um, at the moment, I think Kilkenny are probably favourites and, and Clare really have to kind of step up and show that they've improved from last year. Barry, in a word, Kilkenny or Clare? Yeah, it's clear for me, Shane. We've uh, club men involved with them, so I'll, I'll give them the, the vote on this one. Give them the nod. Good stuff. Lads, thanks for hopping on this morning. Great stuff. Thank you. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball.